This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. This is Everything Elite, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to all elite wrestling and the elite extended universe. I'm Aaron Bentley. I'm joined, as always, by one of my many good friends, no fewer than a dozen. It's Mike Spears. What's up, Mike? Hey, y'all. It's your old pal, Iron Mike Spears. I'm a, I exist as, just as much as I did last week. Take it as you will. Uh, I, I've noticed you're making you're making sure to qualify everything after last week. I, I, are we going to try to to shake the slide? You know, I mean, you, you've had a couple of tough shows. I'm, I'm happy to see that you're back in here, ready to start swinging, just stepping back in the box. I mean, you are the added dun of Twitter, so I appreciate you're getting back at it. How are you doing, AB? Well, it really helps when you start the show by telling me that I've had a few shitty shows in a row. I, I, <laughs> I, shows. I'm just, I'm not saying you were having bad shows. I was just saying that there were a couple moments last week that you felt like you had to correct yourself. I want you to be more sure of yourself. Yeah, I uh, tripped over my own dick a few times last week. So hopefully I'll avoid that this week. Uh, also with us, a man who has never tripped over his own dick. It's Nate, a.k.a. Epitasis. What's up, Nate? Um, Hello. Quite an introduction. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty fried, pretty fried from work. Had a late coffee today. So we're going to see how that, you know, I'm probably going to regret that in about four hours from now when I'm trying to get to sleep. But I'm hoping it'll give me a second wind here. Uh, just, you know, just work from home shit all the time. Just tired of all the extra hoops that we have to jump through. Um, yeah, congratulations on making so many new friends over the last week, Aaron. Uh, that's all I got. Yes. Also fried. Luckily, good episode of Dynamite last night. So that will hopefully power us through another excellent episode of Everything Elite. I, you... I would like to say that you did not have a bad episode last week. <laughs> I'm I just fucking bad. with you, Mike. Yes. This is what happens when you have two anxious people on the same show. And I they use the even keel. Because if one of us says something, we'll immediately think about this like four hours later. So it's I make sure I, I'm trying to get this all off my chest. You know, this is, this is an open circle. I'm sorry, Mike. I knew before I like, I thought it was going to be funny when I said it, but I knew <laughs> oh, it was oh, going it's funny. to upset you. Oh, it is funny. I feel bad about it, but this is what we do for content, you know? <laughs> All right, if you want to follow us on Twitter or get in touch with us in any way, you can hit us up at everything AEW. I'm at Aaron like the car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fujiheya. Please subscribe to the podcast so you get it as soon as it drops. Give us a rating and review if you're using the Apple Podcast app. And if you need more Everything Elite, go check out patreon.com slash everything elite. Two big things this week on the Patreon. We started a Discord channel. For our patrons, we would love to see you come join us. Mike and I chatted during Dark and Dynamite this week with several of our lovely patrons, and it was a blast. So we would love to have you join us. And I dropped the first episode of my Smoky Mountain Wrestling Retrospective, Lost on the Mountain. And uh, I would appreciate it if you checked it out. It's free, actually. You just have to go to our Patreon and you can listen to it for free. All right. 
Here's what we're going to talk about. Elite or Delete, we'll play that. We'll run down Dynamite. An early look at the Double or Nothing card. I mean, we're only a few weeks away, but still early. And uh, maybe some interesting things in ratings. Mike has teased that there could be something interesting about the ratings this week. We'll find out. Before we get into all that, I guess the best place to start is we talked about they're going to go live. They're going live. Now we've seen them go live. So what did we think about going live? Uh, There was a report out that they tested everyone with like rapid response testing. I've got some thoughts about that. Uh, But they say that everyone tested negative. I don't know if that includes the 30 fucking crowd members that were also involved. No idea. But uh, generally, Nate, what were your thoughts on the first live episode of Dynamite? Yeah, uh, I I do kind of wish this had been a bad show because it would have made it way easier to come on here and been like, they shouldn't have run the show. It was irresponsible. This is what we've basically been saying for the last month of our podcast here, uh, that they shouldn't be running these shows. Uh, My opinion on that has not really changed, but uh, unfortunately, they did not have a bad show. They, in fact, had a good show. So that makes it a little more difficult. Um, just because it was, you know, for a couple hours there, just forgot about all the other nonsense. and was like, I am having fun watching pro wrestling despite everything in 2020 here. They did, Meltzer said they did test everybody, including whoever, you know, presuming those random people in the crowd were staff members, crew members, other people associated with the venue or wrestling promotion. Uh, and they are all tested and they all came back negative. Um, you know, JR did a little spiel at the beginning, like, oh, you know, we're doing it right. We tested everybody. Everybody's observing social distancing. Obviously not true. Um, and, you know, to you know, I'm sure JR does think they're doing it right. They're not really doing it right. They're maybe doing it the best as can be reasonably expected in these circumstances. Uh, it's fortunate that Jacksonville apparently has a surplus of these tests, and UFC is also taking advantage of this. I guess it's not the worst thing if we – cordon off Jacksonville and just have all the combat people go there and they can do whatever the fuck. Like that's it is not... kind of the perfect thing for Duvall, you know? Sure. Yeah. And so, um, but of course, you know, I'm sure your point, the rapid response tests are probably not super reliable. There's been some super high false negative uh, 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 rates reported on a lot of those tests. So it's kind of, again, we just don't have the information to really, be uh, conclusive about exactly how responsible it was, but they certainly did. I think a pretty good job of, you know, it's a wrestling program. It's a work. They're trying to work the audience. They did a pretty good job of, I think working the audience to at least put, I think your mind at ease while you were watching the show to be like, okay, well they did what they could. Yeah. So I'm sorry, Mike, I just wanted to jump in on that testing point. That's like, my big thing is not just the testing it is the public handling of this whole deal. Like the first time we hear that they're going to be testing everyone is from a Facebook post by the IATSE union who, who set up the, um, set up the things, the technical things before the show. And then finally, Tony Khan does a tweet. That's all well and good, even though I think they should have been more open about that, but you're right, Nate, they, the rapid response tests are as far as we can tell, Uh, terribly unreliable. So here's what I want to know. What tests did they use? Did they use more than one type of test? There's a lot of thought out there of giving people several tests. I think that's what happens at hospitals so that they can be sure 
about the test. So did they give everybody a few tests? What all did you go into? And maybe most people don't care about it, but I think that AEW could not only get themselves some good PR, but set a precedent for UFC. I mean, who knows if they'll follow, but WWE for these other places and even for pro sports uh, when they start coming back. Yeah, I was on the point of UFC. They did, uh, I presume they're the exact same tests because this is like Jacksonville has a surplus of these tests and UFC got like 1,200 of them to do for their next show. So it's going to be the same, I think, uh, protocol that UFC is following. Yeah, and I I think that what y'all are saying is right. That and that's something that I've been harping on a lot is make your practices public, especially because of the kind of this disease and the kind of things here. There is a social obligation with what precautions you're doing if you're going here. And you're absolutely right, A.B., about it, setting a president. I One thing that's kind of put me a little bit at ease and I'm, I mean, my whole opinion has not changed. I think all three of us are in lockstep about this show shouldn't be here. We've, we've done that spiel for a month now. But IATSE being involved here does give me a level of confidence. And the reason is, is for people who aren't aware, IATSE are electricians and stagehands who I didn't know that they were hiring union people in Jacksonville. I know that's a thing in some major cities that you either you hire Teamsters or IATSE or you don't. But IATSE is going to look after their own. Like as a union, they're going to make sure it's taken care of. And the fact that IATSE is being open about this does give me a little bit of, hey, they are doing some things here just because of if you mess with like IATSE, this is just like, I think it was like local 115. That's going to get spread through all throughout. And that's just going to be a huge fucking mess outside of it if you're really doing that. So that gave me a little bit of just general comfort uh, other than you said what y'all said, like, who knows about what this test is? What's the false positive ratio? What's the false negative ratio? And just in general, like, as you said, like in hospitals, we've seen people be getting different kinds of tests for different things. So I, I guess like it did have like that effect that over like two hours, other than like the obvious overhanging stuff on us, it, I feel like this episode probably more so than anything I've at least seen in the United States so far did the best at, pushing the circumstances to the back of your head as much as one could possibly be given what's going on. So I don't know. I I'm really of two minds about this. I think I do. I would have felt better if Jr. and Jake Roberts and these people weren't there. That would have been an easy fix to fix the level of comfort. Let me ask you guys this. What do you think about them explicitly saying, Hey, you know, the young bucks and hangman page, they didn't feel comfortable. So they're not here. Did you guys feel like that was the smart thing to do? Do you think like that was uh, blowing up their spot a little bit? Any any thoughts on that? Well, on one hand, it's it's good in that you're from a PR perspective, right? You're telling your audience we allowed all the wrestlers and staff members to choose whether they wanted to come. But you're right with like wrestler brain, it makes them seem like the pussies who refuse to come to the show, and so that's problematic. But you know, if I'm Paige or the Bucks, I look around and I say nobody's wearing masks, even out in the crowd. Uh, when we get the, uh, which we'll talk a lot, I'm sure, about the street fight match, people are just right up on top of each other. And even if you tested negative today, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're not carrying anything. And like we said, it's the, the it could be a false negative. So um, I don't, it makes Adam Page and the Young Bucks look like the smartest guys in the room, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's pretty much... Uh... 
And, you know, we have other reason to believe that they're the smartest guys in the room. You know, the the Young Bucks have basically been the smartest wrestlers on the indies for the last decade in, in terms of, uh, you know, marketing and comporting themselves. Uh, and, you know, Adam Page, we all believe to be pretty, have a good hat on his shoulders. I, I do think if I'm going to look at it favorably, you know, maybe it does some good to be like, uh, hey, these guys are top stars and they're taking the position that, they shouldn't be traveling or working at this time. So maybe that uh, does something to, to ease the stigma of, you know, hey, you should you should always be working. You should work when you're injured. You should work when, uh, you know, circumstances are bad. I like accidentally did like Vince McMahon voice there for a second. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. so, so maybe that's a good, you know, they're setting a good example in that way. And, you know, again, it was sort of a thing. I think it was probably JR that said it. it sometimes it's hard to read JR. Is he being negative or is he being positive? <laughs> Like he does it with the refs. I think that was an attempt to be positive about it. Yeah. And you could actually immediately compare and contrast. I mean, there was no deleting the fact that Hangman is still the AEW World Tag Team Champion. They've they made reference to that in comparison. And I mean, they brought up the Young Bucks. And of course, another thing about what's really smart about this is Nick has a infant son. And who knows, like the whole situation about like trying to protect an infant during this time. Like I know there's like studies about like children in this, but what about someone who just was born into this? Like how are their immunities doing towards this? But you contrast how AEW was very clear of, Hey, these guys, because of social distancing, they are not here. Compare that to how WWE has basically excised Roman Reigns because poor Roman Reigns, unless there's something else going on. I mean, there's no reason in the world why that guy should be leaving his house, you know, until things and until there's a, I mean, maybe he shouldn't be leaving the house until there's a full-on uh, vaccine, given like how immune compromised he is. So AEW acknowledges everything, puts it out there, and say, "Hey, these guys are opting not to." And from what we can tell, it's not really changing in their position in the company. WWE Roman Reigns is not doing stuff. Completely has been deleted from footage, like openings and a lot of stuff like that over the last few weeks. So there's two ways to handle it. I kind of like how AEW is handling it. The one thing I would say though is. It can make them look bad in that you have two executive vice presidents who do not feel safe coming to the shows, and yet the workers are being asked to come to the shows. Yes. I, I mean, again, we don't think they should be running the shows. But you know, the other point of that is, hey, if you don't feel comfortable coming to the shows, you don't have to come to the shows. Look, you, you have examples on both sides. Kenny Omega came to the show, but the Young Bucks didn't come to the show. So you can follow the examples of the Young Bucks, who, again, are executives, and not attend the shows, and that's within your rights to do. So, you know, but really, I think in that circumstance, it's better that they're not there than that they were there. If all the executives were there for the show, then that's going to make the, uh, you know, that's going to put more pressure on the the lower card workers to be like, well, shit, Kenny's going to be there, Bucks are there, Cody's there. Like, you know, if I'm not there, then uh, that, that sort of uh, stands out in people's minds or whatever. Well, it'll be interesting to see how Adam Page is handled when he returns. Since I, it we, really, I, I said this in a, a DM, it, it would be the shame of all shames if this is what like derailed Adam Page's momentum because he was the hottest thing in the American wrestling business, you know, a, a month and a half ago or whatever. Um, and and it, it, no matter what, of course, there's going to be like a, a muting to that because we're not going to have large crowds, at least for a while. So I just hope when we get back to whatever new normalcy is that like he can pick up where he left off. Cause that was the most exciting thing happening in the promotion. I think. All right, let's get into elite or delete. 
Elite! Delete! Elite! All right, if you're not familiar, this is a little little part on the show where we like to just run over our favorite and least favorite things from this episode of Dynamite. Nate, we will start with you. Your your, your favorite thing, your elite pick of the week. All right, gonna pick the honest one or the the obvious one. Uh, I conflate those a lot. Um, the main event. The street fight, the Jacksonville street fight here at the uh, Daly's Place. In particular, want to shout out Sammy Guevara in this match. Uh, and of course, his golf cart head bump, which became a meme instantaneously and was just a remarkably memorable thing. You know, it's kind of hard in pro wrestling, I think, especially in weekly televised pro wrestling, to have memorable segments on a regular basis because you know, you can fall into sort of like a formula or sameness or whatever. And it's like, oh, well, they're doing another street fight. We did a street fight or a no DQ or a false count everywhere, anywhere match last week. And we did a ladder match the week before and blah, blah, blah. But in this match, they went out and mixed it up and took advantage of the environment and took advantage of the circumstances and made it memorable and exciting and fun. Um, the the camera people did tremendous work, especially in that shot of Sammy taking the golf cart bump, like shot it like it was an action movie or something where they were they had had Sammy running down the barrel at him and the golf cart right behind him. That's of course what makes it a easy meme to make. Uh, and I also just want to shout out this the that basically everybody in the crowd was also shooting this like for their Instagrams at the time. <laughs> yes, that was so good. Like, yeah, that's a very timely and current thing to be doing you know this is the age of dj battles on instagram live or whatever and it's like hey that like makes wrestling seem halfway hip to have you know all these people shooting this stuff on their phones like you know a fan would if they were there yeah and i think that at least out of anything that we've seen over like the last month and a half this kind of was a way to embrace what is going on around us and not hit us over the head in a way, but adapt like what works, what hasn't worked. We now have almost two full months of TV now without uh, live crowds. And it seems like that AEW has learned like, okay, if we do something that's just kind of crazy and involving the, uh, and involving the environs a lot more because you contrast this with the AEW uh, men's world title match. That was also uh, like the empty arena match that was treated the, this way. This one had like basically no stalling with it. And it was just like action. It we got to see like the most DDT sides of both Kenny and Sammy. Was Sammy ever in a uh any everywhere match though? I don't think he was during that time he was there, but I don't believe so. I watched like a couple of Corican's that he was yeah. on in DDT. I don't think he got into any of the real out there DDT stuff. Yeah, but definite shouts though to the production crew. I rewatched this match today. One of my favorite things is when when uh, Matt Hardy grabbed the uh, golf cart. You could see a grip carrying a light stand over there, like moving the light there. And I caught that in the corner of my eye, and that popped me a bunch. But yeah, no, this was a complete success. And as someone who got why Hardy was hired, but was very apprehensive about Hardy in the promotion. This is like the best use of Matt Hardy, isn't it? I mean, other than like, okay, the costume change stuff, which, you know, is something that, that got a little long in the tooth, you know. But after like the second one, I was like, oh, wait, he's going to come back. 
and like that. As soon as he went to the ice chest, did everyone think he was doing another costume change? Because it became very clear at that no, point. No, I, I didn't see it coming at all. I was like, that's it was kind of just weird to me the first time he did it. Yeah. And you know, I kind of laughed to myself because I'm like, oh, good thing I fucking studied the lore and watched Matt Hardy YouTube <laughs> vlogs. Because I know that Damascus can switch personas at any time. And I just like, you know, semi-ironically was like, that's funny. But then when he did it out of the ice bin, that surprised me. And so I enjoyed it on that level. Also, he's in great shape and his new gear is better. His whatever young thug Gresham tunic that he was wearing, <laughs> was, that was a, a, a delight to me. A, a future a future AEW tag team could be a bunch of Grecian wear enthusiasts, Shima and Matt Hardy. He, he was working hard, too. I mean, he looked like he was really trying. That was fun to see. Uh, here's my question. The Sammy Guevara golf cart bump. Uh, a few options here. One, it was one of the greatest bumps of all time. Two, it was one of the greatest shots of all time. Three, some mixture of those two. Four, he just got the shit knocked out of him by the golf cart. Thoughts? I think all of the above is my. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, it, it was mean, a great shot. It was a great bump, and he got the shit knocked out of him. I mean, but, yeah. it, but I also think he took it relatively Shit. smartly. Like, mm -hmm. I guess the other, there's a couple other car bumps we can compare this to, right? There's Austin's car bump, which was like a stunt role, like you would see a stunt man do a, a bump in a movie or whatever. Like, you could, you know, you could tell he was doing a stunt role on the car, and he didn't really get hit by the car. And then there's Sanchiro Takagi's car bump at DDT, right? Where just he gets fucking plowed by this thing and is launched like 10 just, feet. He, he hits the roof of the car, then flies backwards. Okay, we might be thinking of different ones. Uh, he might That's have done a couple. Yeah, yeah, I, he gets hit by cars a lot. Okay. Um, but I think this is probably the best way you can take it and still make it look really, really good, right? Because he took it on one side where he could sort of control the way that he would spin off the car. And like have a have a plan for that the golf cart anyway, um, but still like you know laid into it and 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 made a contact where there was a big sound and looked absolutely great on camera. So I, I think you know I think it was a combination of all those. All right, Mike, your pick. I there this was like one of my favorite shows that they've done in like the the last like four months. Like to be honest, like this show is great. But I'm going to shout out John Moxley versus Kazarian. Because that match ruled. That was a match that very easily could have just been a match where, like, I think earlier in the show, we saw some people who were getting the rust out, and Kazarian had no rust whatsoever. He was with it, and him and John Moxley had really good chemistry. And it was like a nice match to have for like Moxley, as they obviously now are setting up Moxley versus Brody Lee at the pay per view. That this was another thing of like making sure you're world champion is there and that you have him highlighted in a very competitive match. It made someone like Kazarian who has just been a tag team worker in this promotion look like, Hey, no wonder this guy was one of the first AEW tag team champions like this rules. And it just was like, this was one that like Moxley since he's since like COVID-19, this was easily my favorite match of his and kind of did a lot in my mind, at least to like rebuild him after the uh, wet fart of the empty arena match. Yeah, I think for me, and unless there's an obvious one I'm forgetting, I think this was like Moxley's best straight-ahead competitive singles match on television because I guess the other comparison point is his match with Sammy. Um, and, well, no, I guess 
Darby. I was thinking of his other ones more as like squashes, but I guess the Darby match was not quite a squash, even though it was a pretty dominant win by Moxley. This was better uh, than that, though. I don't I think, think this was better than that, but I think this was a more competitive match. Like they gave Kaz more in this, but it didn't, you know, it didn't feel like, oh, they're just giving him a bunch because they need to burn more TV time. It just felt like, oh, okay, this is a an honest competitive match here. And, uh, you know, it might have been a first time match. So that's kind of neat also. I don't know if these guys ever crossed paths before Moxley signed. But yeah, no, this, uh, this exceeded my expectations. Yeah, I love this. It was almost like, that it exceeded my expectations, probably made it even better than maybe it would have been. Otherwise, expectations are important. That's right. I basically never like a Kazarian singles match and Mox, you know, just down on after the, the Hager match. And it's like, well, what is this going to be like? And about a few minutes through it, we were chatting on Discord and I'm like, wait, is this like really fucking good? <laughs> and everyone agreed that it was. I was like, OK, I, I must be I must be right. Shockingly. And so uh, I just love this. So good on them for having a really good match. I guess it's my turn to pick. Here's my pick. Dark Order, baby. The Dark Order, elite, as always, again. Uh, this was another great main event beatdown angle from the Dark Order, which I was grateful for to see it, uh, see history repeat itself. Um. I'm a little skeptical of the uh, the Mox Brody Lee feud. We'll see about that. But this was a great angle that really built up because when I saw it ha- starting to happen, I was like, mm, I don't know about this, like Mox and Brody Lee. But the angle got me uh, pretty well into it. So that that's my pick. I guess like my hesitance about this is it's pretty clear to me that Moxley shouldn't be losing the title. And... Now you have someone like Brody who they have had a crystalline vision from day one, crystallized vision from day one. They've made a big deal of the fact that he's been beating everyone. Like I think they said last time they said it was all of his matches were under 10 accumulated minutes. So like he's squashing dudes left and right and he's got to lose. Like I would think at least my read of the situation is that Moxley should win this match and go on there. And then it's like, okay, what are you doing now with Brody Lee here? Like after he loses and in a match, that's going to have to be a lot longer than what it was before. And is this going to lessen Brody Lee in a lot of people's minds? And, or what would happen if you continually had Brody Lee just crush people, crush people, crush people. There was a whole thing with them and S his SCU before everything. And that's what I thought was going to happen. I thought this was going to be like, Oh, we're restarting SCU versus dark order again. Okay. So I did have like a legitimate like shock for a second and then took a step back. And the more I thought about it, the more I'm interested in this match because these are guys that obviously have had a lot of ring time together between WWE. Uh, they were with together. They were with each other in Dragon Gate USA, but I don't know necessarily if they had many matches against each other. So it's going to be interesting, and especially as this, as the pay-per-view main event will be an interesting scenario to see like, with all of this, is this going to be enough to sell a show in a time period where we'll see? Yeah, and that's kind of my thinking on the match is I don't know if Brody Lee now or ever would be a guy who you can sell out an arena having him headline. I don't know if Brody Lee versus Moxley would have well, maybe maybe the the MGM Grand sellouts out just every time from this point forward. But you know, uh, uh, for another show, 
maybe Brody Lee and Moxley doesn't fill up an arena just because I don't know if Brody Lee's perceived that way. So yeah. maybe this is an opportunity to get the most out of him and have him in a big main event spot without sacrificing a gate because there's not going to be, you know, an arena to fill 100% capacity. Um, but the angle was good. The angle was good. Putting the the putties, the Dark Order putties in suits instead of shitty track suits or whatever. No, I'm, I'm sorry, Mike. Um, instead of shitty... <laughs> They were not wearing tracksuits. Yeah, no, you're right. That, that, uh, yeah, whatever their weird putty outfits were. Um, I'm also wearing a track jacket. Um, did did it, I think, a lot of favors to the Dark Order. Like, it, it kind of worked having Brody Lee there, and he just, his size and presence sort of legitimizes the whole thing. And I'm also kind of okay with him losing. I'm fine with him losing. I don't think he's going to be a mainline top singles guy in this company. I you know, he's going to be a, a guy they can elevate for title shots probably, but I don't know that he's going to be carrying the company like a Jericho or a Moxley or a Omega or one of those guys. So, you know, it, legitimize him a bit, give him a title shot, have him on top in that position, and then, you know, continue to use the numbers of the Dark Order as their calling card and have him backing up the Super Smash Brothers, etc. There is no reason to give away like a real money match on this show. Oh, no, th yeah. th there isn't. But I mean, you're still putting someone in a slot that's supposed to draw money, though. Like, let's not completely yeah. say now, that. Say yeah, I'm, I'm sure they want to sell pay-per-views. Sure. Right. Yeah. Like, right. Like, that, that, like, that's my only pushback I have on Nate's point. Like, I totally get the idea of would this sell 10,000 tickets, 8,000 tickets? No, but you put this here, we don't sell seats and it's there, but you're still making the pay-per-view proposition. That's my only pushback on that. Well, I've, I've already set out my flag for that. I think it's going to be a really poor selling pay-per-view however there's an argument to be made from aw's perspective that their hundred thousand is just baked in that's that's their hardcore fans and those people are going to buy the pay-per-view so if they think that's true then it makes all the sense in the world to put together a match like this that would everybody's right would never be a main event when you got to sell fifteen thousand tickets or whatever so you know, and I I thought earlier about if the revival is going to show up at this company that you throw Bucks Revival on this show to sell pay-per-views. And the more I think about it, the worse of an idea I think that is, because I think with their fan base, that is a money match. So that's something you can sell tickets with uh, and sell pay-per-views. So I would uh, chill out on that. And it look, we're going to talk about the, the card that they've got building so far later, but it already looks like it's going to be a representative card without giving away too much of anything. Yeah, that's fair to say. All right, now we will move on to the delete section of this uh, brilliantly crafted segment. Nate, what's your delete pick of the week? Uh, so I, I already said that he shouldn't have been on the show. I'm going to delete Jake Roberts doing DDP yoga on top of Brandy's prone body. That was weird. Didn't need it. The snake was fine. Yeah, made it the, weird. the The point was 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 made by her being laid out and him laying the snake on top. The, sn the snake got the point across. There's enough imagery there, you know. Um, it didn't cross over into full. I was actually thinking, like with Dark Side of the Ring, I'm like, you know, uh, wrestling is already like a fringe interest. A lot of people are attracted to that. It sort of plays outside the rules of society, uh, you know. And a lot, a lot of the scumminess and weird characters in it are the appeal to a lot of the people on top of all the violence, et cetera. Like, you know, maybe AEW uh, could afford to uh, flirt with problematicness 
more often. But then seeing old ass Jake Roberts on top of young woman, I was like, no, I don't need this. this. I don't, I actually don't. It just was, it wasn't just like this all happened. This happened after a match with QT Marshall that was a lot more back and forth than I think anyone would really anticipate. Like it went a lot longer for someone that Archer, other than the uh, tournament matches, has just been plowing through people. Like, like I know, I know, a lot of people say like, "Oh, is this a two segment match for someone who's not necessarily seen as a two segment wrestler?" So you had that. You had the whole Brit and Brandy thing. You already had the Brandy video to start this, which I thought incredible promo, by the way. We did not mention it as an elite, but that was a great, another great promo by one I think is one of the better promo people in the company. And then you had that. You had how long this was post-match. And it just kind of was like, okay, we get what's going on here. Like I did definitely, like, on, on a really well-paced show, this was the one segment that I was like, did we really need to go like all this way to this? I mean, we know that we're now three weeks to the pay-per-view, but did we need to go this long with this? Like you did not need him doing the weird mounting thing. Like that was yeah. just, yeah. You put the snake on her. That gets the point across. And also just tightens up the segment. You can mm-hmm. go on to something else. Yeah. Uh, I, I will, you know, again, the Brandy promo is good. And that it called out a lot of our issues with the Jake Roberts uh, character and his promos. Um, you know, I don't think this is going to be a situation where he's, oh, he's the shitty heel. He's supposed to be the bad guy. Like he's going to get his comeuppance at some point. I have faith in the company to deliver that. Um so that's not really, you know, just the actual experience of watching it. I'm like, all right, okay, whatever. Um, I will also, I liked, I liked getting a escalation of the Brandy or I'm um, the Brit shoe spot and her going with the shoe and getting <laughs> yeah. that, that getting involved in this match and it actually leading somewhere. That was a nice thing to see that sort of unroll as these weeks have progressed. And I guess that's like our half-assed second women's segment of the show. Cause of course we only got one women's segment here, but at least there's another angle, I guess, between those two. So I, up until the the humping spot, I loved this angle. Like I mean, I thought it was just brilliant. I was I was all in on it. I will. I was, I was very I was very careful to watch. He, I don't know that there was a hump. I was looking for one. <laughs> uh, if there was going to be a thrust or a pump, I was going to be all the way out on it. I think he just did weird DDP yoga on top of her. I, I mean, I definitely popped for the snake coming out. Like I mean, I was just like, okay, this rules. Uh, of course, I'm a mark for that era of wrestling, for sure. Um, and I, I see what you're saying, Nate, as far as like, well, you know, maybe you just play to the prurient interest uh, at times. And I think that would work if Jake had ever mentioned those kind of things in his promo. Like, you could do a story where he's saying, like, scummy things about Brandy. And that's kind of where his heel character goes. But they haven't really done that. So it seemed... Well, that he did the whole Bill and Monica stuff. I mean, that's yeah. in the text there. But he didn't say like, "I'm gonna, I want to get my hands on Brandy or whatever," you know. Like, uh, had he because the the worst, I mean, not the worst thing, but one of the biggest things about when he jumped on top of Brandy was I was like, "Holy shit, where did that come from?" You know, like I did not see that coming at all. So I don't know. There might be a way to do it because I do think wrestling is is scummy, and that's part of the appeal of it for sure. So I don't really have a get canceled for this probably i wouldn't really have a problem if that was part of the story that was involved um especially since brandy is an executive and could uh presumably would have the leverage to not be involved in it if she didn't want to be involved in it i wouldn't be as positive about something it just involved a regular worker because of the the power issues but uh there might be a way to do that but i I don't think they accomplished it here 
Sure. It just felt like Jake went into business for himself and <laughs> this creepy thing. <laughs> yeah. That's in play, I think. Who yeah. Knows? All right. Uh, Mike, your pick for something to delete this week. So I've actually, it made me think of like, that was the obvious thing on the show to delete. So Nate batting leadoff always gets on base because he always gets like the one thing to, like, to, to get us out here. Uh, but, but I got some. Hey, it's important to have somebody who's getting on, getting on base every time. I'm happy to contribute to the team. Yeah, I mean, you have to get on base. So when Aaron hits a home run, y'all score. I, again, I'm an Elvis Andrus. My on base percentage is fine. You have me here for the fielding. But I may uh, strike out, just to be clear. <laughs> just to be clear. Just to be clear. Uh, this is a me thing. And, uh, when they've had stuff like this in the past, we've actually, funny enough, Brandy has made note of it and made kind of a joke about it. And my thing was continuity, especially in the f- and the fact that we had MJF promo, Sean Spears promo, or commercial break, Sean Spears promo, Sean Spears MJF stand up with Tony Schiavone. Sean Spears, because of how drastic he looks when he's clean shaven versus his having stubble or facial hair, was just something that I was like, guys, you couldn't have been like, which also I know that with everything, like you're supposed to have clear facial hair if you're having on a facial a facial mask for like the, especially if you have one of the seals. But it's just something you're like, guys, really, this is one of those things that is completely one of the, it drives me insane. It's like, so he had the sit down promo with all his Philips Hue light bulbs, Wi-Fi light bulbs, providing the idea of, oh wait, we have cool lighting now that we can control things with our phones now, which whatever. But he had his full beard there. He was talking about Cody and Dustin and a really good promo, like a, a solid promo for him. And then we have the stand-up, completely clean-shaven. His skin, he looks like he's not been outside for weeks. And it just was something was like, continuity, guys. you got to get your continuity right about little things, especially on something that's so obvious that you're like that. So that really bothered me on the show. And on a show that, again, uh, Nate had the easy one. Now Bentley and I are really having to kind of pull something out of our asses here. So, yeah, guys, continuity. You're doing it live now. You can't just have stuff like that. Oh, I've got an easy one. This hurts. It hurts me to do it, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to cancel. I'm sorry, I'm going to delete. I'm not canceling anyone. I'm going to delete Tony fucking Khan. You're deleted, Tony Khan. You're deleted. And here's why. And it relates to the show. Nate already mentioned that we got a half-ass second women's issue here. We only got one women's match, the Nyla squash, which was a good one. Great to see Nyla again. But now we have learned from Tony Khan's own fingertips that he is the main booker. He's controlling everything that comes on television. So we know for sure that Tony Khan is the one who's deciding not to put more women's segments on these shows, that when Kenny was had more power related to the women's division is when we were getting more women's segments long ago. We see Kenny, you know, openly complaining that uh, he basically has no say in the women's division anymore. So Tony, whoever summarizes this and hands it over to Tony, puts it on Tony's desk on the plane to London, uh, just highlight for me, buddy, women's wrestling. It's not just that it's important because of all these societal reasons it's important, but it's good. And there's a way that you can stand out from American wrestling because WWE does has always done a shitty job of dealing with women's wrestling. They had like a tiny moment in time where they did a good job with women's wrestling. I don't watch it, but I'm sure it's back to bad again. Do good. There are women you can get who are fun to watch, even in these times. 
you can do something interesting. Britt has become uh, very good, even though I talked a lot of shit about her over the years. I don't know about years, but months of doing this podcast. So you got plenty of stuff to do. Do it and uh, stop fucking around. That's it. That was great. I scooped you both on your deletes this you week. Did. Nice. You I'm did. fucking. I'm fucking peaking too high right now. I, well, I also, you know, I've given Joey Janela a lot of shit on the show before, so I wanted to let him off the hook. Well, I mean, good, yeah. I mean, we're still blocked. I think so. Yeah. So it's fine. Okay, that's uh, elite or delete. Let's talk about ratings. So AEW comes in a uh, little, a little bump. They're back. They're kind of going. Up and down, up and down here. They are back up 732,000. 12th in the demo, a 0.28. NXT uh, also up. Basically, they've basically both done one number, then went down and then went back to the same number in the third week. So they're up to 663, 33rd in the demo with a 0.18. Yeah, uh, this is Plateau Town. We've been, I've talked about it for a couple of weeks. This is the best that AEW has done in Plateau Town. This is their best uh, demo since uh, April 1st. And really since things were going, it's worth noting that that we're, we're reaching a point in the TV season, which is summer is always kind of a day or a, a period of the year where this is why people talk about like the mid-season replacement summer replacements because you're just not going to get as many viewers. But given what's all going on here, it can get kind of wild now. Uh, Survivor is ending next week. NASCAR is coming back next week. They're they're, they're coming down to my country. They're playing. They're they're going to race Darlington next Wednesday, and then Mass Singer is going to end soon. So there's been some TV erosion. There might continue to be TV erosion. It's worth noting that that 0.28 for AEW would have been it was the same at least to the hundredth point as the number seven uh, cable program. So that's pretty solid. Up. Uh, I, I it's another point of my demo corner that I, it's no longer a game. It's kind of just me just finding weird facts. So it's not really a game. I shouldn't call it a game. Uh, it is AEW and XT were based. Not a game. It's not, not a game. It's not a game. No. Talking about segments. Segments, yeah. yeah. We're talking about segments. Not a game. <laughs> not a game. It's not a game here. That We're here with facts. I come here with data. But like, get your games out of here. We're talking about hard numbers here. The but, segments that we go out and die for. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> This is this isn't practice either. There so, you go, you got it. <laughs> oh no, I got it immediately, and I was trying to to see how long. This, this is the uh, the anniversary of that segment. That's of course why it was in. Well, my, if you're listening to this today, my... it is. Of course, if you're listening to this tomorrow, which is Friday, <laughs> then yesterday was the anniversary. That's right. If you're listening to this on Saturday, the anniversary was two days ago. Right. Thank you. So, I've talked about plateaus, talking about uh, demos, and about things that have kind of developed here. Something that I've noticed that AEW really did well on that NXT is still doing decent at, but if you look deeper into the breakdowns, it's really bad for them, is men 18 to 34 and men 12 to 34. Uh, AEW got a 0.39 there. Uh, the NXT program got a 0.23 there. But the thing that's like really kind of remarkable is that AEW's uh, 18 to 34 was as much as the top rated program on cable. But for a for NXT's, it's gained down so low. And NXT's people, so across all genders, 25 to 54 was the second worst out of anyone in cable. Which, and that's something that has been 
kind of been at a certain place, but has fallen off a rock since the uh, epidemic happened. Why do I bring this up? Because there, there's like the conceit of that the NXT viewer sticks there and AEW viewer doesn't. And it does seem that the AEW has started now really to carve out this audience that NXT viewers, in a lot of ways, especially our viewers, are starting to get away from the programming. Like, like when you go from like a 0.11 in a demographic to a 0.08, it's still a deduction of 33%. And we're seeing that with NXT, whereas AEW seems to be kind of building. We did see on some uh, fake podcast this week, Tony Khan was a was a guest, and he said that they're up, they were up, I guess, last week, 19% in the 18 to 34. And he just made the point, that's what he is going to be judged on, is the 18 to 49. So, you know, we've, we've talked around this as we've talked ratings over the many months we've been talking about them. But it's like, that's the only number that really matters. It's not total viewers. It's not anything else but what they do in the 18 to 49. And, and Tony has uh, confirmed that. I do want to say this this uh, rating here is especially good for AEW because they were without their big draw of Orange Cassidy, who's not on the show. Uh, Dave, no, did talk, Dave did talk about the quarter hours from last week and said that the best friends uh, versus Kip and Penelope and Basement Dunkle and Jimmy Havoc segment did really well on that show. And he was he went through it. And he's like, well, you know, this is a, this is another week where the feud between these teams has done an especially good quarter hour. And, uh, you know, I think it, it might be Orange Cassidy. He has not uh, deduced the top secret YouTube data that, of course, we're all helped us out with that does show that Orange Cassidy's a big draw. So he's still he, there's still the possibibility for Dave that it just might be that Penelope's so hot that she's a big draw, which is very funny to hear him talk about that or talk around that. He's like, well, I don't think it's Kip. And I don't think it's Jimmy, but this Penelope, I don't know. There might be something there to eyeballs. And I recommend that to anyone who doesn't. <laughs> All right, let's run down uh, Dynamite. So we started out with a video recap, basically of Lance Archer's run through the, uh, the TNT Championship tournament up to the finals. Basically, the in a lot of ways, that was the, the big story surrounding this whole episode was the build of the Cody versus archer match for double or nothing and so this went right into cody defeating joey janela with a crossroads the funny thing was that on the discord i was asking everyone if they thought cody was uh phasing out the crossroads because he had been winning with other moves or he'd been needing like four of them to beat people and then he just beat joey janela with fucking one crossroads yeah, but it was a long match, and Joey did kick out of a lot. So I don't think the one crossroads really hurt him there. Um, I will, you know, I we might have reached a point of finish or bloat for Cody. I know a lot of people were like, "Oh, it's great that they keep establishing all these finishers for Cody," but he's got like six now. It's like, okay, maybe let somebody else have a couple finishers, Cody. The worst thing here, I guess, was just. I'm going to blame Joey, but it just ring rust. He <laughs> yeah. just looked like he wasn't uh, wasn't ready to go. I, I don't want to say it that way. It was his first match in some time. So it just, he had a few missteps and uh, it just wasn't, wasn't great. Not what you want. Yeah. It just was something that with a lot of people who were coming back onto TV, like Kazarian in his 40s coming out here and having probably his best match he's had in AEW, Joey kind of did not look TV ready. In a lot of ways, it just, it just looked obvious there that he took time off and 
wasn't necessarily like doing. I guess like this last matches would have been like those uh, GCW like hidden tournament that they did. But that was been the last matches he's done. So like that's like almost two two full months ago, maybe closer to two and a half months ago. I will say the, he's uh, been the, the SCU guys did do the BTE matches. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, like he was on the up and up. Maybe uh, the Dirty Daddy should have had some matches that they put up on Instagram between the two of them since they've been working out. I was gonna say I will say he's been working out. It looks like pretty hard with the Dirty Daddy. So I got to give him props for that. They got to bring in Dickinson to this promotion for Christ's sake. Bring in the Dirty Daddy. I like that one too. We got a Nyla Rose video recapping her win over Riho, basically just completely reestablishing her in case you've forgotten about her and reestablishing the entire women's division. So uh, I guess setting up some possible challengers here. Well, and we would find out later setting up the four-way match that's going to happen next week because there's not nearly enough multi-women matches in the women's division. Nyla got a promo right after this where she's on the on the entrance ramp with Tony Schiavone. And basically, she just says she's always going to be the champion and yells at Tony to go back to doing his job. Then Nyla defeated the fake Danny Jordan, a.k.a. Kenzie Payne. <laughs> I'm not for sure this was Danny Jordan. It was not uh, with the Beast Bomb. Uh, Shouts out from Nyla to Chris Jericho doing the triple powerbomb finish, doing two powerbombs to the Beast Bomb. Uh, yeah, Kenzie, Kenzie Page being 18 really hit me that I'm entering middle age pretty hard. Like, that was like, Jesus Christ. This person was born after uh, 9-11. And that's something I can't wrap my head around. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> oh, hey, welcome to my existential crisis, guys. I don't uh, think we can use 9-11 as a reference point anymore now that we have just one every day. That's like, true. 9-11 wasn't fucking shit. It was a Tuesday. I mean, that's Well, I mean, you know, it's really not everything even that came after. Not even an especially deadly Tuesday by today's standards. True story. MJF did have on a Burberry face mask, which I thought was funny. Uh, the, the the power bombs were good. Some WCW shit on those power bombs. Yeah, no, Kenzie Page like was flying around for Nyla. Like the German suplex, where like one of my favorite German suplex sells is when people fold up when they take it, and that was really sick. Yeah, this was a fun squash match. What's Kenzie Page's deal? Who is she trained by? Uh, oh, somebody called me Kane. Oh yeah, Glenn Jacobs and Dr. Uh, Tom Pritchard. Dr. Tom Pritchard. Jr. shouted out his friends, Dr. Tom Pritchard and Glenn Jacobs. Oh, I and, missed uh, that. And Robert Robert Morton, Ricky Morton, Ricky Morton. Yeah, Ricky, Ricky. Morton was a uh, yeah. Also wow, what? She might be a legend in the making. I I mean she's she's from the territory. That's right. I'm gonna have to find out if she's watched Smoky Mountain Wrestling. She needs to. MJF. Gets a video next uh, on a big fat green screen. He's sitting in a red chair. He talks about that a lot of young talent are claiming to be the next big thing, even though they're almost 30. But what's really cool is just being the big thing, which he is, but nobody will admit because they all hate him. So they move the goalposts and start comparing him to legends because they're insecure and this kid took their spot. But this kid is a prodigy, bell to bell, he says, and is going to be a champion before anyone blinks because he's something wrestling has never seen. And then... Somebody comes through in socks and switches out the red chair for a throne. It's the little things. Why does the guy have socks on? So you don't hear clump, clump, clump on a set. But it looks like he's wearing fucking socks. I'm wearing I just, socks. I hated that. Yeah, but you're also not on television. It's true. Yeah. Socks are good. I'm pro sock. I'm anti-barefoot. 
Wow, bold stance. Yeah, this, I'm this going might, there. This might be a strikeout right here or a walk. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And a lot of videos on this show. Sean Spears' video up next. It's hard to do back-to-back videos. Yeah, like that was the thing that like also frustrated me about Sean Spears' beard. Like you yeah. had them back-to-back, like space them out a little bit. I maybe would not have noticed as much. Yeah, Sean yeah, Spears. The, uh, the, the videos and, and beard don't bother me at all. Maybe because they're close to vlogs. I'm just like, yeah, <laughs> play another video. What the fuck? Why not? <laughs> Sean Spears is talking about uh, Dustin getting his ass kicked by Lance Archer. He blames Cody. He talks about how he has a younger brother. He would always protect him. Cody could have protected him, but he chose not to because he's selfish. Uh, or maybe it's because he thinks he alone can carry on the Rhodes legacy. So I thought this was like a pretty effective promo from Sean Spears, but it's like to what end? We've already done this. Yeah, no, that's uh, kind of why I liked it. I like that this character just has, he's going to have a, a grudge against Cody Rhodes forever, and he's not going to let that go. <laughs> and he's going to keep making it an issue on television. And I don't know if they go back to this, but it also is, it's just like, oh yeah, every, also every heel is feuding with Cody. If you're a heel, then you hate Cody and they're all going to take shots at him whenever they can. And that amused me. Yeah. Uh, I, um, I heard from, he was talking about brothers. He talked about his brother. I heard from my brother today about this promo and, and he had a question that I feel like we, we should ask here. Do we think we're going to get like this second Spears brother as a tag team partner for him? Like, if unless the storyline is completely dead and we're forgetting that he wanted a tag team partner, he talked about how he how he would protect his little brother, and he's been looking for a tag team partner. Could totally like go get his long last brother out there, and now we have Spears and Spears the tag team. Credit to Drew Spears for that idea. Okay, you hit Spears overload there at the end. Do we know if his if his little brother wrestles? No idea. So it could be a fake brother. That's right. He could have just made it up. Lance von Eric's back, baby. I'm going to Google Sean Spears family. I already typed in Sean Spears brother. <laughs> What'd you find? Uh, not shit so far. Well, 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 guys, his real last name. He's not a real Spears to begin with. No, he's an is... Arneal, of course. Mm-hmm. I know, but you would think they would just, you know, that would be somewhere on the internet. Or, guys, this is how I announced I've been hired by AEW <laughs> as a professional wrestler. Hey, you want this? This dude fucking debuted before... Uh... The last girl, Kenzie Page, was born. Before 9-11? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. <laughs> so, his, so his actual brother is a former pro wrestler. Oh. No, that's what I'm asking personal you. Life? Oh. No, it's not, I mean, there's nothing listed about his brother. Okay. Oh, it's Sean Spears debuted in 2001. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Jesus. <laughs> He's been around a long time. I think I, I said that both. That was my reaction to both. He debuted when I was in high school. That's crazy. It's been around a long time. I mean, you know, maybe we're looking at the Sean Spears thing all wrong. Okay. Maybe it's like, good on you, Sean Spears. You grinded it out for all these years. You're like the fucking, uh, what's the guy from Rounders? The, the uh, uh, KGB. <laughs> no, they're like the mentor character. The John Turturro character. Bad you know, he, you grinded it out on your leather ass for all these years. And now you're on national television every, pretty much every week like good for sean spears we should celebrate sean spears remember when he had that crazy video on a road to that was like him working out and then like the sports car on top of a uh, parking <laughs> building yeah and he it, fucking rules <laughs> yeah, it, I, I mean he's bad but he rules yeah this is uh i mean i mean I, I don't you know he's he's getting paid to do what he loves he's on television he's got the thq video game money he's got a 
uh, attractive wife. I don't. He doesn't also need us to put him over for that. Like he can suffer having us complain about his Ohio Valley wrestling ass matches. <laughs> That's fair, what? but this it, and he should be able to sleep well at night knowing the rest of that. But this was a good promo. I'm going to give him credit for that. It was a good promo, and it's funny to me if he this just happens forever, and he just hates Cody forever. <laughs> that would be good, actually. I like this idea. It's like Cody's going into the AEW Hall of Fame <laughs> in 25 years' time, and Sean Spears comes out and brains him with a chair, and he's like, you're not done yet, you son of a bitch. 60-year-old Sean Spears. They're destined to do this forever. Then we had Tony Schiavone with MJF and Sean Spears. MJF, in a roundabout way, I believe, announces he's going to wrestle next week on Dynamite. I think he is, yeah. Yep. Yeah. He tells Sean Spears that he's the bravest man in the world for telling the truth about Cody. I also like that, that we have this MJF-Sean Spears um, synergy around their saying, actually, Cody is a bad person. That's a fun little thing for them to be together on. Sean... Also says that he's seen every 30 for 30 in MJF's comeback is the best sports comeback in history. Uh, the segment ends when Tony Schiavone announces that MJF will take on Jungle Boy at Double or Nothing and MJF loses his mind. I think MJF calls him the American sociopath. Is that what he said? <laughs> I missed yes, that. Yes, sociopath. Yeah, that's that was funny to me. I was like, okay, yeah. You can kind of, that's like a good healing where you can kind of believe it because it's like if you think Robert's tweets are funny, then you're probably a sociopath, right? <laughs> Stiff. <laughs> that sounds like something I would have said on this podcast. <laughs> no, I, if I recall correctly, your phone thinks you like Robert. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. Who was I trying to talk to? Uh, yesterday, I was in a, I'm in a group text. This with happened a, again? Well, I'm in a group text with a guy named Rob, and I tried to put his name, and it corrected to Rove. <laughs> <laughs> At least V and B are next to each other on the keyboard. Yeah, but no, this was just a straight up autocorrect to Rogue. <laughs> <laughs> so take that, that for what you will. That owns. <laughs> Next up was John Moxley defeating Frankie Kazarian with the paradigm shift. We talked about this. It was great. After the match, the Dark Order came out to attack, which we also talked about. SCU tried to make the save. Preston Vance, poor guy, just waiting for his spot to do the spine buster on Scorpio, and they're not setting it up for him. He just stands there. Finally hits Scorpio with a spine buster. Uh, Brody Lee comes out. He laid out Christopher Daniels on the way to the ring. And uh, then he hit Moxley with the, the big fat lariat. Uh, Brody starts a promo. And we were alerted that this was the top of the hour with the, the Brody promo. So apparently they think people will stick around to watch Brody or Moxley, I guess. You know, Moxley was there. And Brody says he was here to answer the bounty that Mox put on his head last week. There's no crowd to save you, no energy to lift you up. Uh, this is the energy, the dark order that you feel now. And he says, you have, uh, you're the unfortunate soul who has something that I want, something I need. So I'm challenging you for the AEW World Championship because I don't really know who you are now. Are you a movie star, an MMA fighter, a fatherless boy from Cincinnati? A little stiff here from, from Brody Lee. Uh, he says, answer my challenge or we will make you. Mox grabs the mic and in his classic Mox way, he says, dude, all you had to do was ask. Real Keanu Reeves vibes in Moxley sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I see that with that line. Uh, Brody kicks Mox in the face. The Dark Order attack him again. And then Brody leaves with the belt, which is apparently going to be a big part of this story going forward. The champion just can't stick with the belt in this promotion. Ah. And I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I don't know uh, about the, the stiff line from from Brody, and I don't know what the what's going on there. Um, I mean, he 
I mean, like John Moxley on the Indies always made a reference like of him being from like a broken home. Like his big DGUSA promos were always like talking about like that. Uh, him and DGUSA, as I've been rewatching, is a really weird trip because he is very much doing stuff in 2010 that I don't know works in 2020. By the way, heard uh, heard the same about some of those uh, Gentlemen's Club vlogs. <laughs> yeah, awesome. yeah. A lot of a lot of YouTube comments like. Hey, Chuck Taylor, uh, delete this now. <laughs> but I, I think this kind of works. Like, I, I'm starting to talk myself into this match now. I really am. Like, I'm excited because I think Brody's been a surprisingly great promo for a guy who never really was a promo guy. So that's been, he was able to carry the weight of this. And then Mox doing the Keanu was kind of perfect in that situation. The match is going to be good. They should just do the Mox Ishii match spot for spot. That's my that's my recipe for them having a good match. I think it'll be good. Brody is going to want to show off. I mean, he's going to want to be like, look, when I don't have any chains on me, this is what I can do. So I think yeah. it'll be good. Apparently, they had a shitty match in CCW in 2011. I saw some clips of that going around today. Yeah. Uh, I don't think they ever crossed paths in Dragon Gate USA, though, even though they were around the same time. The fatherless line did strike me as probably a callback to something. They yeah. felt like that it would have been very random for him to have brought that up, um, unless it was going back to CZW or something like that. So that sort of computes to me. All right, Do, did you guys think? Where are you now on the is Mox going too silly? Uh, was was this line too no. silly? No, didn't strike me as silly really. No, fittest character. Uh, just look this up. Evolve four from the Ace Arena Union City, uh, New Jersey on July 23rd, 2010. Brody Lee versus John Moxley. Double DQ, five minutes and 50 seconds. <laughs> and, yeah. Finish, Gabe. I mean, that's Gabe for you. And, and that's after the, the, or that's the match they had right before the really bad CZW match. All right. Next but, up. But no, yeah, Moxley, yeah, I think that works for Moxley's character. I don't think that was too goofy. I just... I'm afraid the character's getting too goofy. I'm worried about where it's going. He, he's naturally has not not goofy energy, but you know, comic energy where he, uh, you know, play plays things off or or, or brushes things off by he's, taking a comic uh, the view on them. Right. Mm -hmm. I, as long as he's not getting into like prop comedy, then it's fine. <laughs> yeah, because he, he still looks and carries himself like a badass. It's just like. Oh, he just doesn't sweat whatever that is, so he diffuses it with humor. Yeah, I think he's just flippant. Flippant. I, I don't know. Maybe I am uh, traumatized by the Moxley WWE run, and so I'm terrified of where it where it will go. Uh, so we'll just see. But I was just like, mm, okay, you're like really I, getting your ass kicked here. Yeah, I mean, you look. At, he talked about his New Japan run and how like he ended up taking a comic. Uh, uh, position in the whole Shota, Shota Umino thing, right? And it's like, well, you know, I didn't want to do comedy and stuff, but then they put me with this young boy, and I'm like, hey, well, why don't we do this with it? Why don't we do this with it? And it's, but then it turns out I'm funny. <laughs> right. So, I mean, and that's why they started making him funny in WWE in the first place, is because he has a natural talent for that. So it's like, you just have to know when to utilize it and not drive it into the ground with prop comedy. And of course, that's what they did. So. Next up was the Brandy video. She was responding to Jake Roberts. He said she studied Jake long enough. And she does this. I thought this was really effective where she tells this story about like how she thinks Jake is going to try to 
use her to suck her in Cody. And she says, uh, you know, you'll you'll get the hero coming for me right into your trap. But it isn't 1991 anymore, Jake. If you slap me in my face, you're going to get hit back. Uh, she says she knows her husband uh, is the good guy. But basically, she's trying to separate herself from like, Cody's going to do the right thing. Shake your hand, wear a suit and tie. But uh, don't fuck with me because you don't know me. And uh, keep my name out of your mouth. So very effective promo from Brandy. Yeah, that was good. And I like that it played off that... You know, she still got caught by Jake here, but not in the way she expected. She didn't get, she didn't fall into his trap because she got bonded by Britt, basically. And Cody didn't come out to save her. Well, they at least, well, we're, we'll talk about that, but they did cover for that. Yeah, because how far away the locker rooms are. Lance Archer defeated QT Marshall. Jake was there. He had a mask on and then he, a face mask on and he took it off within like 10 seconds after. I kind of think he should do the mask all the time. Like he should get a, a one with a snake on it, right? Like a nice cloth one. And yeah. that should just be part of his look forever. I just I, wish he would. Nobody's doing himself. that. That's do, true. Do, do you think it should be like an airbrush snake or just like a screen press of it? Oh, he should. Yeah. He should just get the, the significant other of whoever he's feuding with airbrushed onto a face mask. Yeah. I mean, there's yes. a lot of ways you can go with this. I mean, Jimmy Havoc wearing his spike mask instantly is like, yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. Colt Cabana being there with like a mask that looked like it had a filter on it makes sense. Colt is not someone who's going to get sick. So like we need to have like Jake Roberts either have that or have like a place in his mask where you can put like a Winston on a filter done. <laughs> I, I love that Colt had on just like a bright yellow t-shirt and khaki shorts, you know, just like he's worn that like every, <laughs> like that's Colt wear. Like you ever seen like promos of Colt and like ring of honor, like before a show, he'd be wearing like khaki shorts and like a yellow t-shirt. Just the normiest dude. He really is. Love him. Love Colt. Uh, so the, the EBD claw Lance Archer wins by, uh, yeah, I was a little bothered. Second time the show that the heel did their move and then picked the person up. Yeah. On, and before the three count and then continue the match. Just, just makes it less effective both times. Right. Yeah. One thing per show, folks. After the match, Britt attacked Brandy. So I feel like this is a good way that they're going to keep Britt hot, but pull her away from Nyla for the, the title match. So you don't kind of ruin what's going on there. And you don't have to throw Britt into a match that you probably want her to lose because you because you probably want Nyla to win. So totally. That makes sense. Uh, gives her the the DDT, which was nice. Threw her in the ring with Archer. Also, you know, not foreshadowing really, but it, it also didn't hit you over the head. But it was a DDT, so that was nice. Uh, Jake comes out with the snake. Of course, he takes off his mask because he's going to be getting close to Brandy. He's got it. Yeah, if he had Brandy on the mask, this would really have this would all have gone together. I think. Uh, gets on top of Brandy. Nobody comes to save her. I I don't think it's defensible. Nobody coming to save her. Well, they, uh, you know, it can be something you can take issue with, but they made an effort to defend it and they had a reason for it. So, you know, that's enough for me, really. And, you know, what? and we saw we saw that it was true also because golf carts played such a big role later in the show. So, like, of course, they have golf carts. They have to get to and from the locker room. Makes all the sense in the world. But it's just like, first of all, this went on for a while and we never see anybody come out. We never... I don't know. I just want to give me something later where it's like Cody's banging on the door, you know, trying to knock down the door of their locker or something. I just hate that this happened. Nobody came out. Cody looks like a big fucking dork and uh, he gets, you know, cucked right here on national television. Very sad. Yeah, it didn't bother me. 
I will, uh, continue. I will continue you're, you're to same, hate. Okay. You and uh, you and Brady have the same perspective on this here. Well, Brady has been right once or twice in his life, and this is one of those times. Good for him. So then we get a video that's Taz interviewing Darby Allen. Taz says, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. You lost to Cody last week. How are you feeling? Nothing from Darby. Taz, uh, real Dutch Mantel and Smoky Mountain hours here. It's going to be a lot of Smoky Mountain references for me. Over the next same thing, yeah. Year mm-hmm. or two. You pinned yourself. You made several mistakes. I'd love to help you if you want to chat. And Darby just walks off. But then Jim Ross, like, really doubled down on this after they went away from this video. So this may be a direction that they're going. I'm yeah, intrigued. what do you think about that? I, I I don't want him managing Darby, certainly. That doesn't work at all. But I guess it's a fine, you know, if you're going to do a turnaround for Darby and say, well, we beat him a bunch. Now we need to do something to freshen up his character and have some sort of, you know, character reason that he's going to start winning now. But this is an okay one. This is a, you know, hey, he went and trained with Taz on a bunch of new techniques or whatever. And this is, you know, part of his turnaround coming. Yeah, I'm fine with this. I think that something that we don't necessarily talk about a lot in this motion is everyone really has a second, a manager, a valet, a head coach. When you reach like a certain like prominence there, like the alignments and things like this and Darby as the lone wolf is a great idea, but it does seem like in this promotion, like they like having like these interpersonal relationships. And I'm, I'll be really amused of the idea of Darby and Taz making towns, like what the two of them do in this, like just imagining like uh, Taz making Darby drive in his, in his truck that has spray paint all over it. Uh, Taz is like, you got, we got to talk about your nutrition. Oh, I ate chicken that I grilled on a Foreman grill and a 24 hour fitness in Norcross, Georgia once. And just like these kind of conversations, I'm here for that. Like, there's enough here that I can seek my teeth into. And I think this could be an interesting group up. Don't like it. I don't like I don't like it because Darby walks alone, as as Mike implied. But I mean, you could do a vignette. I don't want him out there during matches. Oh, no, I I, I don't want him talking for him. mm -hmm. Well, he's got to be out there in, in the match because the story is that Cody has used these other people to beat Darby. Mm-hmm. And so, for if you want to go along with that story, and I hate that story to be clear, I hated the Arn Anderson. Well, he did it once. He did it in the Arn match. He didn't but do then, it in the other two matches. But then Brandy was like the, such the focal point in last week's match. Now the story of last week's match was that Darby pinned himself apparently, and and Cody turned his finisher into a pin. I mean, that's what Taz said. You pinned yourself. Yeah, but it's very dumb. It's just bad. Anyway, the only way I can defend this is the idea that. That was the story. So for Darby to overcome Cody within that story, he's going to have to have his own person to even the odds. So I can buy it from that perspective, but I don't like it. Darby is just, uh, he walks alone, man. He just, he's his own guy. Main event time. We talked about this. Kenny Omega and Matt Hardy defeated Chris Jericho. No. Oh, sorry. I wrote that before the match, and then I never changed it. Sorry, everybody. That's who I thought was going to win. Oh, well, it's also on me because I was the one who proofread these and posted these earlier. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Hey. Way to go, guys. Come Chris on. Jer- you both Chris dropped Jericho the ball. and Sammy Guevara defeated Kenny Omega and Matt Hardy. Jericho pinned Omega with the Judas effect. Protecting Matt Hardy there. Yeah. Fucked up, right? I mean, in fairness, they beat the shit out of Omega before this finish. Yeah. All of the inner circle beat him up pretty bad. 
Yeah, and mm. they've shown in the past that Kenny Omega is especially susceptible to the Judas effect. So that's true. That's yeah. true. Before the match, uh, Chris Jericho and Pineapple Pete got into it at ringside. So they set up a little match for them on Dynamite next week. Pineapple Pete went right after him. He did. He was not scared. I mean, that, no, I mean, it's a good thing that he's apparently, you know, talent because if I was a fan, get ejected immediately. You fucking took a swing at him. Also, yeah. he somehow got in the arena. Right. Uh, this ends, this whole segment ends with a, maybe the best shot in AW history. It was, they, they've backed out, the inner circle have backed out to where you can see the scoreboard at TIAA Field. It says inner circle, and all the members of the inner circle are flipping off the camera. Great shot. Now, I'm really interested in the procedure or bureaucracy for TK to get authorization to just smash up the whole concourse and all this shit. Now, do you think he has to like email Shad and be like, Hey, we've got this segment planned. You know, uh, we're going to replace all the trash cans and (laughs) janitorial supplies and golf carts that we damaged. (laughs) Like, is that, does he have to do that? Is there a, I mean, they own Daly's place. They don't know the football field, right? That's uh, They operate it. It is that they technically don't own Daly's place either. They operate both of them. Okay. So that's interesting. You know, I, I imagine they have carte blanche basically to do whatever yeah. they want. But I'm uh you know, is there gonna is there gonna be a grounds manager that comes to work the next day and is fucking pissed off because there's a bunch of shit broken all over the place? I'm interested to know. Yeah, no, I mean, imagine if you're like a, the operations person coming in and you see this huge dented uh garage door. You see yeah. you, you see that uh Tony has put a giant graphic on your giant screen and left it there all night because apparently oh, there's some burn in. There's gonna be some burn in. Burn in. I mean, you know how many bulbs you're gonna have to replace with that? Like that's serious business. Not to mention you you broke the uh, the uh, walk carefully sign. You, you all the trash cans. I mean, you gotta make sure you're gonna take that uh, golf cart and make sure it's in alignment's all right. Make sure you didn't fuck up the suspension by hitting a uh, uh, Sammy Guevara. Like there's a lot of things there. They they need to at least have some sort of acquisitions form. We need to see some chain of command here. I mean, we don't need to have this good in mediation. We've seen what's happened before when like Megdeb Parak has shown up. We have people get their arms broken. So we need to know what's going to happen. I, I've just looked it up and the city of Jacksonville owns the stadium and right. Daly's place. Yeah. So no, I, yeah. I really like to imagine that they had to go to like a city council <laughs> meeting. And I mean, they could, Tony could this. be looking at another $10,000 fine here. Oh, we know? forgot to talk about that on the show. Yeah. Huge news. Oh my God. We should have led with this. We should have <laughs> led with this. This should have been a delete. You could have sure. just slow played that and been like, oh yeah, well, we'll get to that after the, the dynamite. Yeah. Episode. Or you could have been no. like, I don't recognize the sovereignty of the, the Maryland athletic convention. <laughs> I don't. I mean, that's where I was going to go. And I still <laughs> I, don't. I mean, I don't. I, I believe that things should be run and that we should have like some things taken care of, but athletic commissions and pro wrestling just don't make sense. So yeah. The, the, if you don't know, the Maryland athletic commission has. Uh, find, not really find, AEW has entered into a consent order agreeing to pay $10,000 for their violations of regulations uh, promulgated by the Maryland Athletic Commission regarding weapons and blood in the matches at AEW, what, full gear? Yep. With the, in the uh, Kenny Omega John Moxley match, spearheaded by one Christopher Cruz. Not anyone. Yeah, that's not, like a name that, that that's a name that I have not heard in like 
15 years around wrestling like what what kind of nerd has to like go <laughs> talk to an athletic commission does he have like something like that's like real cop collar shit see i, I think love- this is good because it just legitimizes pro wrestling is a real sport sports should have commissions fights should have commissions to look out for the fighter's safety otherwise they're going to be doing whatever dana white wants them to do and that's no way to live a life so I think it's good that uh, pro wrestling is treated the same as legitimate shoot fights. But at the same time, there's the whole deal, especially in the state of Kentucky, about how the athletic commission has completely just turned into a grab bag of taking money from promotions, taking money from wrestlers, just to give them a piece of paper to say they're wrestlers. I, like, I am not going to take this slander. Oh, the uh, Commonwealth, first of all, of Kentucky. The, the Commonwealth of Kentucky has repealed a lot of these things, though. But this is like you're goddamn right. We have yeah. This yeah. is a right to work state. <laughs> not not the number one right to work state in the nation, there, but there's liberty in this state, in this commonwealth, <laughs> sir. Just make sure you don't uh, get into a fight with your senator neighbor about your lawn. Man, I wish I lived next to Rand Paul. I'd beat the shit out of him. <laughs> <laughs> parody, parody. <laughs> parody, parody, allegedly, allegedly. <laughs> I would allegedly beat the shit out of him. <laughs> I dare that motherfucker to leave some leaves on my yard. All right, that's uh, that's dynamite from this week. I guess I already plugged the Patreon, but we also did the Pod Beyond with Aaron Taub, TJ Hawk, talking about. Did I did I already talk about this last? This was from this week, right? Yeah, no, we posted that on Monday, buddy. Okay. I'm, I think you previewed I'm, it last week. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's good. Go listen to it. Uh, Lost on the Mountain, I would really appreciate it if you go listen to it. Next week, we're going to have another episode of Terrace House Party, which I'm excited about. And then we got a bunch of, after that, we got a bunch of double or nothing content for the end of the month. And by a bunch, I mean, we're going to do an instant reaction show and we're going to do some sort of retrospective on last year's double or nothing. Check out the Discord. Go to patreon.com slash everything elite. You know, the Discord stuff is a lot of fun and I can see uh, more content coming from that in the future. So get in on the on the front end. That's all I'm saying. All right. Next week on Dynamite, coming back to you, I'm sure, from Daly's Place again, although it'll be taped next week. We're going to have Jurassic Express and Marco Stunt. So it's going to be nice to see Jungle Boy back again. Hell yeah. Taking on the best friends and Orange Cassidy. We're going to have Santana and Ortiz taking on Kenny Omega and Matt Hardy. I guess they're just a new ongoing tag team for now. We got the women's four way, another multi women match. Hikaru Shida, Britt Baker, Chris Statlander, and Penelope Ford. Is it official that this is a number one contenders match? No, but it, it, if we're going to read into how they're promoting it, it does seem like whoever wins this match probably is going to be in the women's world title match at Double or Nothing. Yeah, so presumably Sheeta will win this and and face Nyla Rose, I'm guessing. That was the story they were telling before. Although they're kind of able to do like a soft reset here uh, with anything they want, and they don't care about it anyway. Chris Jericho will take on uh, Pineapple Pete, a.k.a. Suge D. Uh, we're going to hear from Jake Roberts and Lance Archer, and MJF will be in action. Got loaded show. I, it's going to be interesting because... I would assume that like we knew all the stuff that was happening for next week because it's being taped now. I'm interested to see like how much do we know next week leading into the 20th? Probably a lot, if I had to guess, but we will see. We'll talk about it on AW Light on the Patreon. Mike and I'll talk about that. Nate, who is also on AW Light, will talk about all the vlog content 
So I guess BTE survived after episode 200. Yeah, they they uh, what they did is the next week they did uh, episode 201. <laughs> so and I, it just it continued forthwith from there. Okay, but my point is on your <laughs> recap of episode 200, you said mm-hmm. that they they implied maybe that the show was ending as yeah. they well, did on episode 100. Yeah, pretty much right out of the uh, the Hollywood handbook thing where they're just like, yeah, this is the last episode. We're done. I'm fucking tired of this. Uh, yeah, they appear to be uh, about every 100 episodes or so. They kind of tease ending it. <laughs> I don't know why that was so funny to me, but it was. <laughs> we also have an early card for Double or Nothing. Here's what we know so far. The men's world title will be John Moxley defending against Brody Lee. Of course, the TNT uh, championship will be decided at Double or Nothing with Cody taking on Lance Archer. We're going to have a casino ladder match for the AEW for an AEW title shot. I would like to retroactively remove my delete. I'm deleting this match. Yeah, this fucking sucks. You can't do a ladder match with no fans. Come on. That's NXT shit. That's NXT shit. Keep on doing the everywhere match. Do an everywhere match where if you get pinned, you're eliminated. The last person standing gets the title shot. Make a new thing. It's also just like, I assume wrestling already hurts worse when there's no fans because there's less adrenaline but now right. you gotta do I, fucking I, I believe, ladder bumps I believe, I believe mayu explicitly said that on the no fan show for start mm-hmm. he did she did so now you gotta do a ladder bump with no fans yeah I mean, yeah it's actually it, i kind of uh approached talking about that last week but it it almost crosses over and like sad yeah <laughs> right oh entirely yeah. yeah when you have just extremely gruesome bumps now granted no fans is sort of relative because they had a shitload of people out here for this show so oh yeah they'll find they'll they're gonna have a good number of people in the crowd obviously they've proven that already so i don't know i mean there's no laws in in florida so no. i assume you can just do whatever you wild want there. southeast yeah I, I mean they used to pay you to kill uh boa pythons so i mean they they <laughs> sure. say that uh just said maybe a quarter capacity maybe they feel like we could pick a thousand people to be in the crowd they should have a casino boa python killing race <laughs> where they start the clock and whichever team kills as many boa pythons or the most boa pythons the, wins the, the the title shot. So, yeah, the thing is, is that you never hear people killing like hundreds of boa pythons whenever they do. these uh, things. Speak for yourself, Mike. <laughs> How many people... I often hear about people killing hundreds of boa pythons. But during like the Florida contest where like you get paid by the state of Florida to kill invasive species, like they said like the most one was like 30 last year. Allegedly. So uh that's it for everything <laughs> boa pythons this week <laughs> as we run down this year's WrestleMania of Boa Pythons. I don't know. I got nowhere to go. Uh, Jungle Boy versus MJF is also going to be on Double or Nothing. So, you know, three, four more matches, I imagine, we'll get. If they do a buy-in for this show, that's going to be sad also. I'm fine with a buy-in. What's what's sad about a buy-in? I don't know. Doing a pre-show for no fans <laughs> seems like even sadder. Well, it's, for the, the, it's for the digital audience. It's- I know, but you just feel bad for the workers. I mean, again, there's going to be just as many people in the building <laughs> as there were tonight. So doesn't bother me. Ladder match is a little iffy. It's a little NXT, but. Cool. Yeah. Anything else, guys, before we get out of here? Anything else to talk about? 
Uh, haven't gotten any iTunes reviews in quite a long time. What's that about, so, folks? If you enjoy the show at all, you know, go on the iTunes, Everything Elite, the dedicated feed there. Leave us a five star review. Write something nice in the comments to make us feel better about ourselves. Mostly Aaron, because uh, Mike's been burying him now for a couple weeks in a row. So that'd be a, a great boon to his spirits. And uh, again, if you put something funny in there, then we'll talk about it on the show, whatever it may be. Yeah, I mean that's for sure true. Um, I was, what was I thinking about? I was going to ask you what you've been listening to lately, but I had some sort of tag for it. Oh, well, if you're listening to this on Friday, the new Jason Isbell album is available at independent record stores nationwide. You have to wait another week to buy it elsewhere. Well, you can go buy the go buy it at independent record stores. Do you have a, a referrer code you'd like to use where you get a little piece of the action on that? No, buddy. You just you just go to your local independent record store <laughs> or there's a lot who are selling them on selling them online. You can just get it online, they'll ship it to you. Uh, I'm gonna be at eleven AM, I'm gonna be at my local record store, guest room records here in Louisville. Yikes. And I'll be uh, calling them and doing curbside delivery. So Okay, it's not bad. Uh, May twenty yeah. ninth. New Lady Gaga album comes out with the big black pink collaboration. So everybody mark your calendars for that. Mike, There's also a coming album for you. That's uh, yeah, June. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, music coming out for me. Uh, nothing I could think of. I think Automataguchi has an album that I have to pre order out on that I should be getting sometime in the future. Uh, Yukika put out uh, her first cover coming up for her next one. Yukika is a city pop style K pop star who put out a great track last year called neon and she's going for a full length album sometime this year it was her birthday today happy, happy birthday, birthday. yukika yes might have to send send a tweet to the sd account what uh what do you guys what have you guys been listening to lately what kind of what kind of music is really getting you through these times uh i haven't been great about music i go i sort of go through sprees where it's all music or all podcasts and kind of in a podcast loop at the moment I don't know. Nothing, nothing hit me from last week's, you know, new releases. Yeah. Just skipped out on the Drake entirely. Went like two tracks. It was like, no. I'm looking at what my most recent thing is I've listened to on Spotify. Uh, it was a, uh, my daily mix right now has this really cool uh, Swedish uh, dream pop band called Posillionen. <laughs> and I've been listening to a lot of them, uh, Y Oak and TTNG, along with. Uh, some chai. Have you ever heard of chai before? Tea. No. I like yeah, a chai, I've heard of chai tea. tea for sure. Oh no, this is like a Japanese like punk punk band. That's really mm. cool. It's been mm. spelled like chai tea. Uh, they, they've been on some like they've there's been TV shows that have had chai on their thing on their show. I'm trying to think of what TV show I saw recently that had chai on it, but it's a, a all female women's like dance punk band and oh. from Nagoya japan and it's really interesting yeah yeah no they're a very infectious and happy kind of like dance punk band and it's kind of a nice thing to listen to so if you've not listened to chai i highly recommend it they had an album out last year called punk i've i've been listening to a lot i don't know if you would like this or not nate not sure uh ultra club 4k is the name of the of the album it's uh wicca phase brings eternal and doves but it's like they took like a bunch of dance songs i mean like every song is like sampling some sort of like real like dance hit oh shit okay you know but they kind of you know 
fucked with it in their own style or whatever. Yeah. And they it, at first when it came out, it was just like an hour long like mixtape. But they've gone back and separated up into tracks. And uh, I've been really, really enjoying that. So that's been good. And then I've just been listening to basically the entire Jason Isbell discography as I prepare for new songs. This is how much of a fucking nerd I am. I have avoided any of the singles that have come out so that I can just get that first listen on the album tomorrow morning. I respect that. I mean, when the uh, new uh, Tycho came out last year, I avoided the uh, pre-release stuff until I could listen to it all completely. So I get that. I respect I, that. I love albums. I'm just, I'm an album guy. Yeah. You know, albums are cool. You know, I did move my uh, portable record player up to my office. So maybe that's what I'm going to do over the next week. I'm going to pull out some vinyl and listen to them. And so I'll have more stuff to talk about during this section. All right. This will definitely be an ongoing segment. I'm sure of that. If you want to tell us what you've been listening to, you can follow us on Twitter at everything AEW. I'm Aaron Like the Car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fuji Heya. And if you're a patron, go into our Discord and let's talk about music. During this podcast recording, we've been talking about uh, dads that AEW should bring in, that they need some more old guys who just kick the shit out of people. And so who could they bring in? So you can join that discussion in the Discord. Subscribe, rate, and review, as, as Nate said, and go check out patreon.com slash everything elite for a little extra AEW uh, or EE content. That's it for Mike, for Nate. I'm Aaron. We'll see you next time.